Welcome to Under the Blanket, and uh, let's just settle into this moment, and it's all okay. There's a place inside where it's all okay, and whatever you're feeling right now, emotionally, our thoughts, our sensations, you don't have to be hung up about it or caught up in about it. The stories of who you are and how it all is, that's just stories. And they could run on, they could do their thing, but you don't have to be hung up about it. You can even let them go and you don't even have to buy into them. And you could just be in this moment and just return to simplicity and innocence. Don't you remember when you were a child? Open, innocent. There was a few moments you were playing with a butterfly or something in the field, and it was all okay. Well, you could live in that. It is possible. And uh, on the show today, we have Marcus. So, Marcus, uh, say hello to everyone. Is it me now? Who that are was you? an awesome, awesome intro. I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. I thought that was that was of all the intros where you say everybody be in the moment and that was the best one yet. Wonderful. Yeah, I I feel, uh, you know, I just woke up recently. I, I have a weird sleeping schedule. I guess you, do, you could eh? say uh, people have said that I, 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 I stay up long periods of time, sometimes through the whole night into the next day. Then I'll sleep for like 12, 14 hours. Oh, yeah. Yeah, or, and then sometimes I won't do that. But lately I've been doing it. I don't know. I guess people find that um, perplexing. But I don't I don't feel depressed or anything. No. Leonard so, Cohen say that he, he if he woke up and he wasn't in a state of grace, he just went back to bed. Well, I really think it has to do with, you know, like, you know, you deal with the psychedelic therapy and all that. Mm-hmm. People don't realize every night when you go to sleep, if you're able to remember your what people call our dreams, uh-huh. these astral, I call them astral travels. To me, they're just another level of reality. They're just as real as the level of this reality that we're on, which I don't think is ultimately real in the sense of permanent. No, but uh, it's it's just another state of consciousness that uh, is we're going through together. And uh, I just I remember like when when you're because of lucid dreaming, they call it when you're yeah. in the dream, you're aware of it as a dream. You, you have like consciousness in the dream. You're not just hey, like you know, I, I had a lucid dream last night, Baba. And I. Tell, well, I, that's great. Then I brought this up. Tell yeah, us. It, is. it is great that you brought it up because I, I had a, a experience where I learned a sort of meta concept about it how to deal with certain situations when you're in a lucid dream because I came across a door and I couldn't get through it and I couldn't open it and I thought to myself think about something else and immediately as I when I diverted my attention the whole thing transformed what did it transform into uh I don't remember exactly but I got through oh, the door. I could tell you a donkey having sex with your grandmother <laughs> That's usually what it is. Because that's what's on your mind, apparently. <laughs> anyway, 
I, I have a problem. I have to mind. go to Dr. Freud about it, and he's yeah, going maybe. to help me. <laughs> but Dr. Young would say that has to do with, you know, for people that aren't familiar, like Freud and Young were into the dream interpretation stuff. And Freud, mm-hmm. because he was a second chakra person, just thought about sexuality. And Young was more open to higher realms. And later, it turns out he did experiment with psychedelics. I never uh, heard that. Young condemned psychedelics. Really? I swear I read an article where he did it every weekend. No way. No, that's well, not right. I'm gonna, wait, just keep talking. I'm look, going to Google this. This is going to drive me crazy. Okay, yeah. He died in 1960, and all these Jungians were into LSD, and they were writing him and telling him about it. And he said that it brought up too much too fast. But this was in the early 50s, so he was already pretty old at that point. So he's not going to take on a new thing. And um, as soon as, are you? I mean, I'm looking it up now. I must have read someone else because I thought he secretly did it, and he later revealed that he did it. I've never heard that, and that's the kind of thing I would have come across. Yeah, it looks like he says he's putting it down. I must have read. Oh wait, here we go. Did Young? Do psychedelics. Uh, as uh, oh, it wants me to subscribe to to this place. <laughs> There's got to be. I swear, I read he did it. And it was Bro, it's came just out not the case. <laughs> no, I can't be wrong. <laughs> it sounds like uh, you're on an ego trip, Baba. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, the thing about ego is, is what we realize is that, that we juice up the ego so much and we have these models uh and these stories of who we are and what it's all about and when i was five i went through this and then i went to school and i like country music and oh i can't stand pantera they're horrible and they're racist blah 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 and all and they are probably racist but anyway and they're terrible music I love what? Pantera. <laughs> yeah, I knew I probably get someone with that. And I got you. Anyway, they're probably the greatest music ever. My point being that all that is stories. Uh, yeah. And really, that isn't the ego, just a thought. I mean, that's what Ramana Maharshi said that, you know, it's so juiced up, but really, it's just a thought. It's the I thought behind all these stories and that level of thinking. There's like an I thought, there's like this subtle layer. Like he talked about these layers of the mind and like mm-hmm. sheaths, I think you call them sheaths. And as you peel yeah. the sheaths away, you get to this Kona. layer of the I thought, you know, you've heard of this. Yeah, there's different conas. There's different energetic sleeves that the body is in, like the food, the food cona, the sleep cona, uh, thought cona, pain cona, these different levels. Yeah, there's all kinds of these maps that you can map out this energy and these con- like the, I I particularly like the chakras and uh, I find it interesting to work with that. Uh, well, you know, Kona, it's interesting about it's the, the chakras. Thing. What are you gonna Kona's and chakras are all part of Ayurveda. Oh, see, see, I didn't know about the konas. Yeah, the konas are energetic sleeves. different levels of energy like food and sleep and 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 sexuality and all the different levels spiritual as the highest level that sounds great i'm sure it works right into the you know the different systems they're all connected 
And then no. you got your you got your doshas too. You got your different constitutional types like pita, fire, kappa, earth, and vada, air. You ever heard of that? No, talk talk about that. Those are the different constitutional types in Ayurveda. So pita is like fire, uh, kappa is earth, and vada is water. So you got the different um, konas, the different chakras, and the different doshas. Hmm. Yeah. And, and then on the other, you know, uh, uh, I just can't, this is coming up, is that you got this show, Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> of course, I got to relate it, bring it back to this. But anyway, it's a it's a show that they were started. So you got these, you know, people in India, Ayurvedic people, and you got Carl Jung. And these are people really trying to examine what it's all about and the different map it out consciousness and the human body and the different levels and what's going on. And then you have someone with a comedy show, Sunny in Philadelphia, and they understand one thing that we kind of live in this culture, not that people are narcissistic, but that the culture is like creating people wanting to be narcissistic or striving to that that is a high value in this culture of narcissism that's a good thing at least Mm -hmm. it's not like openly put that way but that's what it is and then you got a show like sunny philadelphia where they they kind of poke fun at that they satirize it and he even said that you know the guy that created it said it was a satire against that so you know how does that factor into all this narcissism yeah, like personality. Like, like, what about you know? Um, Did he change your name from Eric Schneider to Babahir Love? <laughs> well, people have said that people on the spiritual path are, have labeled it narcissism. That they're always like, "Who am I?" You know, like people yeah. have been cynical. The Western cynical mindset, where they have said people that are constantly going within and trying to be their self and realize their self they've just you know said oh that's just narcissism you know they've labeled it that i wouldn't say that i've heard it called navel gazing but that's a western western perspective on meditation and it's i don't think that's around as much anymore i mean with all the dalai lama and the scientists working together Hmm. and they're studying it now yeah that's right seriously yeah yeah that's true evolution yeah, I, I mean, the Dalai Lama is working with all these scientists and they're studying the monks. And in fact, this started in the 70s, which some people might not know on a big, big time scale is uh, they started studying yogis. Now there a lot of scientists are working with the Dalai Lama, but they studied like one yogi. I think they buried buried him alive or something. I don't know. if I'm Yeah, no, they, right they, they find yogis. They they're cellularly alive, even though they're dead. Yeah, stuff like yeah. that, like all but kinds of stuff. They, yeah, and they, like, like they could uh, stop the flow of blood in one side of their hand, and the scientists are all studying all this, and oh, yeah, it's yeah, all yeah. there. And I just find that, like, you know, kind of interesting about all that stuff. But uh, I just feel like, you know, I've given all that up as far as um, scientific thinking i do find it interesting still but i just have totally like richard albert did ram Dass, go on the journey i'm going to go the whole journey and give just go like narcissism everything. again baba because here you're saying that you're, 
you're off science into spirituality. Yeah, well, people have like there are people that have tried to to intermix the two, like Amica Swami and McKenna, and some other all kinds mm. of people have. And I'm not against all that. I'm just saying personally, yeah, that's I'm I'm just going the journey. But it's yeah. funny because there was a time in my path where I was starting to struggle with doubt as far as about all this stuff, and it was uh, after being in a mental hospital and. It was just for a couple of days, but they put me on Risperdal, and Risperdal's had very bad side effects with me. And I was very depressed, and I was thinking thoughts that were disturbing to me about spirituality, and I was pushing them away. Uh-huh. And then at that time, I was like, what about science? I started to look into science again, and I was like, does science have anything to say that would confirm some of these spiritual experiences and i discovered you probably heard of these people lynn mctaggart wrote the field and she got together all the scientific data she could find at the time which was promote not promoting but would link to spiritual you know truths and then amica swami who went as far as to say quantum physics proved one cosmic consciousness as he called it or god or whatever Yeah, that's so. interpretation. Yeah, there's all kinds of interpretations of all this stuff. That's the thing with science. I do recommend everybody out there check out the hippies were right in Scientific American, uh, where it's not saying they were definitely right, but it's like talking about how the scientific attitude in the consensual sharing scientific information, uh, what is it called? Like shared you know, scientific consensus. Yeah. Um, they were, the article is about how scientists are changing their attitude towards consciousness, that it's not Mm. as it was always usually assumed as rational materialistic. They call it the hard problem. The hard problem. They're starting to say that the hard problem and all that might be solved through some of these experiments and quantum physics and reinterpretations and this article they're saying the idea and, was that the brain evolves from monkeys into yeah. this super intelligent being and that's consciousness that's where consciousness comes from but that's ridiculous it's, 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 i mean can you can this person who believes that let's say there's a person that believes that and then they go and you see your dog and you tell me that dog doesn't have consciousness come on did they really like they may intellectually repeat that and think that but when their dog wants food they feed the dog when the dog comes up to them they pet the dog if they really thought the dog had no consciousness would they pet the dog would they would they go out and smile at us i don't really think so i don't think they even believe these things that they say because why if dog has no consciousness why are they petting the dog why are they having the dog in their house i think there's a lot of self-deception in religion and in science and in life in general. I feel like the whole universe is built around self-deception, actually. This is all a game of hide-and-seek. Now, it's an intense game, but it is just a game. We go, we hide from ourselves in all these infinite levels of reality, Earth, this universe, just being one of infinite levels. And here we are in a person or something, and a person hiding, they really think they're a person, they really think they work at McDonald's. They go, they flip the burgers, they come home, and they do meth. But they're mm. not really that person that does meth every night after working at McDonald's. They aren't really 
about to be kicked out of their apartment and their parents maybe they should take up crocheting and then they'll get into the mystical experience like you said that uh richard alpert ramdas was giving a talk and this woman talked about crocheting and he could see in her eyes that she had actually achieved mystical transcendence through crocheting yeah yeah like they're really like a lot of the time we get caught up in our particular way of getting to the mystical state and it's hard for people to imagine uh getting it a different way like i've had seen people be like that with meditation and look kind of poo-poo psychedelics because it's chemical or it's a, you can't stay in that state and on the opposite people that do psychedelics looking down on people that do meditation as well you could feel a little calmer but you can't pretty rare yeah pretty rare but but to be fair pretty rare that a psychedelic person looks down on meditation versus the yeah. opposite Pretty yeah, I, I, it was rare. It was one. Actually, I have only heard it from one person now that I really think about it. It was a person that was on this show before. And now he has blocked me, I think, because he was on the show. And he's not going to listen to this. So I could just out him. I'm not mentioning him his name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he wasn't on the last show, but he was a psychedelic psycho person and had read Ram Dass and Be Here Now was into that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. then he started to get into ha- the hard drugs Uh-oh. and leave psychedelics. And he was saying, I didn't get where this was coming from, but he was saying on the show that methamphetamine was spiritual for him and all kinds of stuff. I really don't but think he really it's, believed it's, that. I think he was getting into a deep addiction and trying to rationalize it. Uh-huh. That's and possible. then Could he be, ended but- up blocking me. So I really feel he he probably went down that path and that was when it was kind of beginning. So mm. I don't know. It's just sad how a person could be getting somewhere with psychedelics or meditation or whatever. And all of a sudden, you know, stressors in life. One, a person comes on and she's like, maybe it was like a sexy lady and offers <laughs> him something and he wants to party and boom. Now yeah. he's another statistic, right? Makes a mockery of the circadian rhythms. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, you know, that's the thing about people is uh, and the drug war, for example, they have laid, they have grouped all these drugs together, you know, uh, they're all bad. I mean, that's changing now with legalization of weed and what's happening in Oregon with psychedelics and so on, and Canada, other countries, what's going on in Portugal, but mm-hmm. you know, it, it, for a long time, it's just been like drugs, alcohol, it's just these things kind we of get silly our ways of thinking. Clean you know? seal on it, uh, Baba. What? We get our weed with the queen seal on it. That's nice. Yeah, they've legalized. I'm in New Jersey, and they've legalized weed, but we don't have a recreational weed place around here. So I'm wondering what's going on with that. I guess I could find out on the Internet in, like, a few minutes what's going on. But there's no recreational weed places around. But, you know, I guess they just, you know, legalize it. So everybody's just getting it from who they used to get it from, you know? So why don't you get a, uh, a medical card? Because, I, I, anyway, I don't want to get into the details of all that. <laughs> but it is legal in New Jersey. Uh, yeah. It is legal. But the point is about all that. Um, yeah, my guru called psychedelics yogi medicine. But mm-hmm. he wasn't saying, he's, you know, that's the point. Is that certain uh, substances are really sacred and can take you to God. You know, if he said, only do it, though, if your mind is already going towards God. So that was an interesting 
mm-hmm. thing that's... that he said that most people, you know, haven't said. I mean, set and se- I mean, I guess that relates with set and setting. If you're set and setting, you want to go. Like, I guess another way of putting it is, do you have that hunger for the great mystery of it all? You know? Yeah, I think everybody does, even if they call it something else. Yeah, and, yeah. And he knows that the methamphetamine that he's addicted to that's destroying him could also be the source of psychedelic or mystical experience because in the in the placebo groups of the of the mystical experiences with psilocybin, uh people had the full on experience just with the Ritalin or the um niacin. That's a good point. And and that in fact it addresses that and be here now. Be here now it says with that, what we were just talking about, the amphetamines or the methamphetamines, there are times when you use uh, use it where it does get you in a spiritual state. The issue is it destroys your body and it gets addictive and it kind of has this uh, effect on people where it's like makes them circular, circular thinking. Like we already have that enough. Tommy Chong think. said that that's true. Circular thinking. I agree with that. But Tommy Chong said that Bobby Dylan wrote all his songs on methamphetamine. Well, see, there's always exceptions to the rule. Look, you got Bob <laughs> Dylan. I'm, I would, you know, Keith Richards. He, amazing musician, and did all kinds of uh, the harder drugs. And Bob but Dylan, if he wrote songs on that, go for him, you know. Because also, right. Lemmy, Lemmy did methamphetamine all the time. Yeah. He so these musicians, they, they, that was important. Like, so I, I don't think it's good to say. Like, it's good you brought that up because there's no black and white rules about everything. <laughs> The there was also a famous you know. mathematician who took methamphetamine every or maybe not methamphetamine, but amphetamine every day. And his friends were like, you're addicted to amphetamine. Why don't you stop? And he did. And uh, he didn't write as many papers and it wasn't as good. And so he kept taking it. Well, there you go. I mean, look at William Burroughs, like did the heroin or, uh, you know, and he wrote those great books that the beat generation liked and all that. There's all these uh, examples. There was alcoholic authors, right? Like uh, uh, the most the famous one is you, we could all name them right away. The guy that wrote the the Man in the Sea one, right? He was yeah, a yeah, famous alcoholic, right? Yeah, he was an alcoholic, and he he had electroconvulsive therapy, and then he blew his brains out. Yeah, yeah. Because so, they said they they taken his capital. A writer's mind is his capital, and the electroconvulsive therapy zapped his mind. Yeah. And uh, they, you know, I ha- I remember when I was in studying psychology in college and they went over that and they said they've improved it and it's apparently working. Yeah, yeah, they haven't proved it for sure. They haven't proved it. But it's, it still is. A, it's the risk is there. Maybe it's one in a hundred, one in a thousand. But, you know, you forget your memories and stuff. Yeah, I don't know much about it other than that. But, you know, it's interesting how these things evolve in psychology. Look at like Richard Albert was involved in this uh process where they did lobotomies and he didn't do the lobotomies but he had to like sit there and watch it and he was just like deeply disturbed by it affected him for the rest of his life and in fact he mentioned it in the lectures and because he was like he kind of saw how in a way what we were becoming with the be here now people is we're kind of becoming very simple like almost like that but not but not because we because it becomes a servant. What you do is you become like a vegetable and you're sitting there. Nothing matters. You don't care. And it's all OK. And it's all right. Whatever. Right. But mm-hmm. your mind's a servant. So then if you need to write a paper on mathematics or go have a conversation with someone about, about football, you can because your mind's a servant. 
and it pops into existence and it serves the need of the karmic situation where you have to talk about football with your dad because your dad loves football, yada, 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 right? Your dad loves football? Well, my dad happens to love football, yeah. <laughs> so I guess that was a personal experience. I do remember uh, when I was fired, I did work in psychology as a therapist at a mental hospital. I was in one and I worked at one back really? in the day. It's all in my book, Spiritual Bipolar. If anyone wants to check that out on Audible. And uh, yeah, I ended up just being around my dad and his friends. And they all like football. And he, he's not, my dad's not an openly racist person. He, I haven't heard him say like racial slurs or anything that. He does have like unconscious racist things he says sometimes. But regardless, he's a, he was around white guys that are all like doofus South Jersey racist people. But anyway, see, there comes my judgmental mind, you know, because yeah. these people are all perfect and divine. And the whole cosmos and every level is in these people. I'm really. Racism isn't something to be looked down upon. We have to examine it like we would treat someone with cancer. It's like a disease. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I was hanging around these people and I didn't want to get caught in that judgment of um, I'm Mr. Progressive Communist or whatever, looking down, leftist, looking down on these racists and blah, blah, blah. And oh, they talk about football. Football is a violent sport and I would never watch. So I just started like, getting into it. And I remember... While I was on the outside talking about football or whatever, on the inside, I was just trying to stay in touch with God and oneness. And I find I found sometimes you can find God conscious. through football. What? Maybe you can find God through football. Yeah, I think um, it's interesting how you can, um, you know, examine these things that are supposedly not spiritual and kind of make them sacred, you know, because ultimately it's all God. It's all the one. So you could, you could change your perspective on it. So that sort of, it's like, there's a great story for that, that it's the under the blanket podcast. So I'll tell a Mirage story. Um, mm. Mirage came up to this uh, devotee that had a pinup girl, right? Um, you know, a pretty uh, woman, you know, naked or whatever on the wall, maybe bathing suit. And he was embarrassed. You know, mm -hmm. that the, here's the guru. He doesn't have any desires or whatever he thought. And the guru's coming up and he's going to, he wants to hide that. You know, he yeah. obviously doesn't even really get the guru because wouldn't the guru know that? So he's like covering it up. And, and Maharaj is like, don't cover that up. That's the divine mother, right? So, that's the perspective changing thing. Like if you saw it all as the divine mother, how would you approach that? Like instead of him looking up there as a subject to object lust trip, he's looking at as that's his mother and his divinity. And well, if he's, in getting Tantra, into, he's honoring her, you know, in Tantra, they have all these statues and you're supposed to go uh, of different sex acts and you're supposed to go up to the one that's the most interesting to you. And then through that, you transcend into the spiritual experiences. But, you know, one thing Neem Karali Baba said is that uh, the problem with psychedelics was that the purification rituals that they were accompanied with got lost. That's what he says to Richard Alpert and Be Here Now. Yeah, I remember him saying something like that. Yeah, about that. Um, yeah. That that would be useful if they could somehow someone could rediscover that. That's possible, I guess. Right. Like maybe it's fasting with uh, 
yeah. types of meditation. Well, that's been done for a long time. Artie Lang did that as his method. You took, you did a water fast for three days uh, before, and I did that with my uh, therapist back in the day, and that was a, a real psychedelic experience in and of itself. The first time you do that, don't eat for three days. Yeah, fasting can alter the consciousness. But I want to get back into what you were saying about the tantra because mm. I do have an interesting story you might appreciate. Um, mm. I was re- there's this really good book. I wish I could remember the name of it. It's like a big, big. It's like huge, a huge like size level book. It's not even a long book. It's just it has all kinds of artwork, uh, mm. and it's all about the ancient tantric traditions you were talking about. When it has those statues in it, all throughout mm. India and that area. And the history of Tantra and the problems it had when the, the British colony people came in, cool. the white man came in. You can't be doing that, you know. Yeah. And of course, and the Alfred crackers were... went in and said, this is perfect. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So basically, I was reading that book and I was starting to get really serious about it and sort of try to intellectualize it and, and figure out how do I do Tantra? Because I wanted to get be a Tantric yogi at that time. Now. I realized it's all kind of tantra, so I'm not silly like that. But I was realizing, but that's a, that it, some people do become like that. That is their primary method. But I was reading that. You mean sexuality is meditation? Of, what? Sexuality is meditation? Well, anyway, the book goes into that. But I was read, I was basically getting really serious about it and thinking about yeah. it. And all of a sudden, a miracle happened. Now, I at the time, I had a fart machine. Now, you may not be familiar with a fart machine, but it's a little Sounds device. Like Have you heard of a fart machine? Yeah. Okay. So it has a, a one part of it is the sound. The, the, the uh, My girlfriend's laughing. I hear so, her in the background. What's happening? She just finds that so funny, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, it's not that funny. It is All pretty right. funny. Okay. <laughs> All right. So it's a fart machine. Um. And it has the speaker that emits the fart sound. And it's just like, you know, that sort of sound. It's not yeah. that funny. I don't know. So, and then it has a button. And it was, I remember even the color. It was an orange button. What? How much you pay for that thing? I think like $40. <laughs> so, the, now, you notice about fart machines. Laugh a little quieter. So you notice about fart machines that you have to push down the orange button to make it fart. But at this time, (laughs) she won't stop. At this time, I was uh, reading the book and thinking about it so much. The orange button has to be pushed down to make a fart. Um, And never before, since, or after, the fart machine went off by itself. I was definitely... 100 million percent sure it went off. I did not push the orange button. It was right as I was getting so caught in ego and intellectualizing it and get and then the fart as the fart sounds simultaneously, I got a vision in my third eye like you would on a heavy psychedelic. Like that uh-huh. was really intense of Neem Crow Baba like laughing with like this vortex of light. And it really put things in perspective for me about all that stuff. It's just like we don't have like really a sense of play. It really is whether it comes to sex or doing a podcast or whatever, we mm. can approach it like a play, like a divine play, like like with a light, like a humor, a lightness. Like Krishna, I like the stories of Krishna 
mm. where he's just like on a swing set or like he's like stealing milk or something and he's getting caught and he's running and hiding from the people that that caught I like him. what Alan Watts said about people being mischievous because he said salt in a stew if you have too much salt it's no good but people's rascal scoundrel nature is like the salt in the stew makes it interesting yeah well maybe more rascal than scoundrel but i think to have a good rascal you need a scoundrel throughout there right? yeah that's a kind of similar thing maybe a scoundrel's yeah. a little more malicious yes i'd say rascals are doing it from a compassionate place of huh. say up leveling the situation like maharaji was like a rascal and uh -huh that he would do these kind of things that would up-level it, but it was kind of mischievous, but it would up-level it. It would bring that person into higher consciousness. While a scoundrel would do it find the darkness light, and, and I think in a way that's even more powerful. Or not necessarily more powerful, but it's powerful in a different way. Because well, that brings up the age-old subject of you need up to have down. You need black to have white. You need uh, this yeah. to have your heat Star here Wars. to have there, right? Yeah. Right. Because a lot of the yogi gurus are pretty dark. No, I'm not saying Neem Karoli Baba. He's he's 100. percent Well, let's go into that. That's a really heavy subject. Oh. Let's go into that. Why not? What a what are these yogis the, uh, that you wanna go? I think the track asana to? type yoga gurus often sexually exploit their followers. Well, these are in modern times now, but yes, it seems like there's so many of them now. I. What about the open ones? It seems like Osho wasn't exploiting because he was openly. No, Osho. no, I've never heard that about him. Yeah. So the, there's the, like, I, I have high respect for the ones like Trunkpa and Osho that were like, look, huh. I'm going to do it with some of you. It's all right. Yeah. Yeah. But then sure. you have these ones like the recent one. How about we talk about this? This is in my lineage, the Maharaji lineage, right? I might as well gossip now. And. I'm getting the blessing of Maharaji, I feel like. It's okay to talk about this because I'm not going to name names. But, yeah. you know, certain people in the lineage that are, like, well-known, they got into this guru um, in India that was like Maharaji. He sat on a tucket. They sang similar songs, right? But mm -hmm. then it turns out, you know, he's saying he's celibate, but he's not really. And uh -huh. then he's grabbing at women that aren't really into it. It's not like he's uh, all out the guy Bikram. It's not like he's just... Uh -huh extreme as Bikram that he did sexually assaulted so many women they're making a documentary about him but yeah. he he's kind of like moving in that direction almost yeah. you know and then like they're like egg in my beard uh-oh look what happened and they all get out of that scene and they're kind of embarrassed that but you know it's that thing it's like even though they all met Maharaji some of these people met Maharaji and it was they knew he's a legitimate but then he leaves his body and they still hunger for that experience. So it makes you wonder, did they even get the message? I mean, a guru is a mirror. It's not meant to have the rest of your life have a trip of he's so great and I'm a piece of shit. No. Well, I'm not saying you're a piece of shit. A guru is a dispeller of darkness. Yeah. So if the darkness actually gets dispelled, wouldn't you see that you are the guru? Wouldn't you see that your divinity is within you? Why would you go looking for more gurus, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I just find that um, kind of poignant. And, you know, it's interesting how with Maharaji, all these people got involved. And you could learn all these stories about them. Bhagavan Das, I mean, he has so many stories about how when he came back to America, oh, he traveled with the Grateful Dead. He got all these crazy experiences with women. 
and it was kind of like people call that a womanizer, and that's a fair title because he's a little he's manipulative about it. It wasn't assault, but you know, hey, I was in be here now, want to come into my room, kind of deal, right? So all that seems to be all these messages to like avoid pitfalls, perhaps. How often do you think that worked though? Just say I was in be here now. Apparently, according to his book, maybe he exaggerated, but according to his book. Uh, in the 70s, he, probably just in the 70s, that was a popular book. So it's probably in the 70s he was getting all these girls. But then th- th- this guy, Jeff Brown, who wrote this book, uh, some kind of soul book, spiritual book, and it's like a spiritual teacher in, in his own. He made a documentary trashing Bhagavan Das, really kind of mean. Mm. But it was, to be fair, Bhagavan Das was a real dick around him and was like, trying to seduce his girlfriend but she said no so i i don't see how that's really that bad i mean he just he's just saying hey you know and she said no and he booked but he just he wanted it some that's all i don't well, he, see how that's really evil girlfriend <laughs> i know right that's wrong cool. he was known as the girlfriend stealer right he stole oh, christian really? girlfriend he'd go into the scene and all the guys' girlfriends like would be like, "Oh, keep the girlfriend away from him," because he, he, I don't know, he had a way about him, I guess. Yeah. But anyway, you know, they made this documentary trashing him because he was, and then he was trying to seduce this 19-year-old chick, and he's an old guy, and people look down on that. I understand why people look down on that. It is weird and creepy. But then again, you know, damn, is she hot? Kind of deal, right? Yeah, but how old are you? <laughs> I know, like. But anyway, that's what the thing is about the judgmental mind. This is a great way to bring in this topic. The judgmental mind works in so many different ways. You look at a flower, for example. Now, if you have a judgmental mind, which is probably anyone listening to this podcast, you'll go, you'll look at a flower. The judgmental mind will judge it as a flower, as a pretty flower. Then you see, say, someone doing something that you don't approve of. Judge that's bad. And all of a sudden you'll notice all the judgmental mind is labeling, categorizing, and all that does is separates. Because oh. in the the you know, the third Zen patriarch said there is no reason to have any discrimination that our mind can be transformed to not have any of that, that we could live in in flow, you know? Yeah. You think he really does that? Who? The Zen patriarch? Yeah, yeah. I'm. Sh- I I do have. I really think many people, not like millions, but there have been people that have been able to live in that state of cosmic consciousness consistently. Mystics, um, saints, Buddhas. Yeah, I do think there are. I mean, I don't claim to be one, but I am learning. <laughs> my yeah, like yeah. definitely not. But the point is, I'm learning that who I really am is the buddha it's not now am i in this state all the time it depends who you think i am if you think i'm the buddha yes i'm in the state all the time but if you think i'm this being that goes into the buddha state and feels peaceful and not separate and then i get hung up and start complaining about um so like what was like i'm trying to think of what i complained about recently but something like being tired or something i was oh. trying to think of a funnier example but anyway your, your sleep schedule is responsible. You sleep for long periods. Yes. And, you know, it's like I'm saying, like I get into all these crazy dreams. In fact, I share some of them on Facebook and then I'll take the imagery from the dream and make a collage out of it. 
Oh, that's cool. You know, yeah, Salvador some people like used, that. To, used to fall asleep with a key. And when the key would hit the ground, it would wake him up and he would paint whatever he was seeing. Yeah, so I do I do think that's a, a main reason and it helps my creativity. It helps my I just find it sometimes I have a problem being more attached to the being on the astral realm, even if it's a really fucked up dream. It really seems like there's less suffering there. Mm-hmm. It's less heavy than the physical plane. Disembodied. Yeah, because you're not in a physical body. I mean, do people realize how we're just in this physical body? It's just so much different than if you're in an astral body. I think people don't realize that. A lot of people don't re- remember their dreams even. Yeah. They have, they're called uh, black dreams or something like that. Yeah, that, but, uh, you know, they, they still have the dreams. They just don't remember. I mean, a lot of people say, I don't dream, but they're just not yeah. remembering, really. Too much cannabis. Yeah, people have said that affects that. It probably does, right? It has never affected me like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, Baba. We got uh, Rezos. We got to head out, man. All right. Well, that's a great way to... So, um, thank you for doing the show, Marcus. I, um, it was a good time. And uh, how about before we go, just plug your stuff again. And, uh, and yeah. of course, I'll have a link in the description. Shamanic Graffiti is my book. And my uh, Twitter is the Rummery, and my website is therummery.ca, and Facebook Marcus Rummery, and Instagram New Huxley, with an I and a U. <laughs> All right, so we have we've been talking with the new Alice Huxley, who <laughs> makes the old Alice Huxley look look like, like a bitch. Uh, you know. <laughs> Wait, we have to come up with a good example. The old Alice Huxley is basically like um, not too harsh. Come on, good yeah. example. It's, I thought of an example, Art but it's letter. too harsh to even think of. Say it's out Art loud. Linkletter. I make Aldous Huxley look like Art Linkletter. Remember him? He went after uh, uh, Timothy Leary. Yeah, there you go. That's a that's a more a poignant time timely example of that time because he was a uh, Timothy Leary's kind of arch nemesis. Besides, he was, yeah. Or something. <laughs> All right, so anyway, this has been Under the Blanket with your host, Baba Here Love. And remember, everybody, that it's all, there is this place inside that I'm in now where it really is all okay. And it doesn't have to be a big flashing lights and everything melting and, like, dragons telling you the, the latest uh, alien experience and uh, reading to you from the from verses of ancient scriptures you never heard of. You really can just be in the simplicity where it's all okay and you're still, you're divine but you're also a human being and it's okay, you can relax. I know a lot of, relax is really revolutionary in a capitalist society where they say, go, go work, but they don't pay me enough to live, go work anyway, right? All right, anyway, so this has been Baba Here Love. Thank you all. I'll see you everywhere as everything. Bye-bye. Ram, ram, ram.